0: Welcome to the Babe Cast. I'm your host, Dr. Babe. Now, this is a podcast for both men and women about cutting-edge ideas on love, sex, relationships, even mental health, wellness, and all things self-development. My purpose is to help you get connected with your best self, to take ownership of your happiness and find true success. So, who's Dr. Babe? I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and a licensed mental health counselor with a doctorate in marriage and family counseling. I'm really excited to have Billy Redhorse on the show today. He's also known as the Gentleman Mystic on Twitter and on Instagram. And he has a website, GentlemanMystic.com. Now, I wanted to interview Billy or just really talk to him. Uh, it's an unstructured conversation that we have in this podcast about basically his intentions and purpose and what he wants to impart to maybe younger Men and maybe women as well, um, and he kind of has a gentle soul. And I think it's an important story and an important voice to provide to the audience. So his focus is on the transcendence of all in all forms—emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual—teaching people how to find their power and to experience the fullness of a life well lived. Here's Billy. Since we've met, sort of in the Twitter space. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm kind of curious as to getting your read on maybe the, the topics of significance to you right now.
1: Uh, Well, I am always looking for the positive in things and the beauty in things and to, You know, to to really just cut to the chase, I have only been active as a participant on Twitter since uh, December of last year, which is, you know, just a little over four or five months now. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: for years before that, I had what I called a lurker account where all I did was uh, just I never interacted with people. I just went to Twitter for, you know, either entertainment or news or whatever. And that lurker account really, is, is some of the folks I was following, I mean, they were, you know, they weren't uh, bad people, but th- there was just so much nonsense. And it kind of went against my uh, my grain and my stated goal of, you know, having a life of beauty rather than a life of duty. And so I, I figured, well, what the heck, let's. Let's take the uh, take the plunge. And I got a uh, I got a new Twitter account, one where I said I was going to be active. And it was sort of anonymous. I mean, I had my name out there, but I didn't put a picture. I had the the logo that you may have seen, you know, the, the gentleman mystic. Mm-hmm. And it was something that uh, Mr. Ed Lattimore said. It was basically a challenge to people in mid-January. of of this year is that if you really want to get serious about this and you want to learn and you want to teach and you want to have the full experience, you need to drop the veil. You need Mm -hmm. to get serious and, you know, put as he used uh, a Nassim Taleb's uh, phrase, you need to put some skin in the game. And so it, it just hit me immediately. All right, this is the way to do it. I put my picture up. I uh, expanded the bio to what uh, is still current on the header and um, I began to curate the people that I followed.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: whereas with the Lurker account, I had several hundred people that I followed. I made a, a draconian decision that I would follow 50 accounts. That's it. Mm-hmm. And if, if one shows up that is on my radar and I feel like I need to look at, someone else has got to go. <laughs> and uh, it's it's been, it, it has helped me focus. And because of that, I mean, you can go and look and there, you'll see things that are related to clothes, uh, you know, things that are related to the finer things in life, like uh, Mercedes Benz cars, uh, McAllen scotch. But then you've also got uh, you've got the uh, good information from uh, Jay Campbell or uh, 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 you know, any of the number of uh, guys in the manosphere,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: you know, anything to that, that, that inspires and uh, gets people to thinking and recognizing that there's a lot more to this life than what we've been led to believe. So I guess that's a, a roundabout uh, answer to your question. Well,
0: it sounds like it was a real catalyst for you uh, when sort of Ed um, put that out there to, yeah, remove the, the veil, get your the skin in the game, and I, I guess make it intentional and, and that's probably a, a, a jump start into the foundation of what you've built so far. Um, and now I see you engaged in, in you know, many conversations of value, I would say, uh, and that the message is starting to get out there. So, I mean, how would you summarize, I guess, your role in the community?
1: <laughs> uh, as the, the voice of reason from an elder. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll be 57 this year. Uh, I recognize a lot of the people, both male and female that I interact with online are young enough to be my child. Mm -hmm. And that does not mean that I do not respect their life experience. Um, but I also recognize that there are a lot of folks that, you know, there, there needs to be a calming, uh, voice. And that, that's where I, as a gentleman, uh, it it just it seems like a natural fit to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you you know go back over my Twitter feed ever since the veil was dropped, uh, very rarely will you ever see me. Uh, yeah, I'm going to use the uh, the locker room term here: grab ass. You know, I'm not I'm not shucking and jiving. and I'm not uh, picking and and just for picking's sake. Um, very rarely do I ever use, uh, profanity, you know, when I do, it's targeted and it's for a reason. And, um, so when, you know, when I see some of the younger bucks that, I mean, they're, I remember how I was at 25
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, uh, you know, they're, they're full of piss and vinegar. You know, they're, they're full of enthusiasm. They're out there doing things. They're really in a position to change the world. And sometimes they, they get a little a little loose <laughs> right and, uh, and sometimes you know grandpa red horse has to uh you know base, make a comment that's not intended to uh to chastise but you know maybe to kind of bring things back down and back around you know i I really love dealing uh, or interacting with uh, a, a lot of specific accounts um you know like um here let me i'm actually on twitter as we're doing this uh okay my uh, my good buddy, Chief Chuck, uh, Chuck Whitworth, mm-hmm. he's a former uh, Swabby, you know, a, a retired Navy guy. He's also in my age bracket. So we kind of tag team every once in a while when it comes to <laughs> getting people to uh, just, just kind of ease up. You know, uh, Mark out in Hawaii is a great guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, young guys like uh, Ajack, You know, Mr. Cortez is is an amazing young man. I I view him as, uh, even though he's certainly young enough to be my son, he, I've, I've even just said it before publicly. He's, he's one of my mentors. Yeah. You know, he's, he's a great guy. And of course, you know, uh, I very much love seeing the, uh, the interactions that you have with some of these crazy guys. And, <laughs> you know, it's, um, you know, it's, I don't really have a plan per se with how I do this. It's just, you know i am I'm, I'm very much aware of energy and i I read energy and follow energy so, you know, sometimes I'll jump into conversations many times I won't um, and you know when I when something needs to be said I'll say it and I'll uh, take the consequences if if I've said it incorrectly <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. yes it's uh easy to you know maybe not word things the way that you intended them and for that to sort of go off like a freight train
1: (laughs) yeah and and i'm very very careful about that especially since we don't have an edit feature Mm -hmm. on twitter hello twitter uh you know technology people you can fix this Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's uh you can even say just something as simple as you know you know dr babe that dress you're wearing today is beautiful and someone will just go off on oh you're a sexist or you or you're making a pass or you, you know no matter what you say somebody's going to misinterpret it mm-hmm. and so you know you kind of have to expect that and uh, you know there's a, one of my favorite sayings especially since getting on the uh, other side of the veil is don't feed the trolls yeah <laughs> <So> I- <laughs> I just, you know, I I don't engage with stuff like that because uh, again, that goes against my, my stated goals of, you know, living a life of beauty and I don't have time for that.
0: Yes. And I think that's a good way of just summarizing it. Living a a life of beauty is what's important to you to put out there, the message that you're spreading. And what do you hope to be gaining from this discourse and
1: interaction? Um. It's, it is a sense of community there there is a very you know even though this is a virtual environment that we're operating in specifically with uh, you know, generally with social media and especially specifically with Twitter um, depending on how one curates their who they follow and who follows them um, it it it's a sort of tribe, and uh, you, you know, you deal with these back and forth with folks enough, and you kind of get to see who they are, you know, you know assuming someone is not putting on a uh, an anonymous front like a limitable man does. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, you know, you you, you get to uh, to get a flavor, you know, at least a little uh, taste of of what they're doing, and so, you know, my, you know, if there is a goal, it's just to. Uh, to interact with people you know to uh, you know to to spread the message if you will of that you know a lot of the things that you have been led to believe in your life are at the very least question them don't accept them out of hand and you know i'm, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy i don't i don't go into that stuff because it, so much can't be proven so i i'm very much a zen um native, you know, mother earth loving kind of guy. And I've, you know, I, I, I try to focus on those things that are in front of me right now, you know, trees, rocks, right. water, happy people, smiling, giggling <laughs> babies, you know, whatever. And um, so, you know, if if there is anything that I uh, you know, hope to accomplish is just to, to, to let people know that, you know, there's, there's something else out there. You know, even more than the chasing the almighty dollar, and don't get me wrong, I am a capitalist. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's a it's a probably in history it's probably the best way that people can uh, you know interact one with another, and exchange willingly and without the coercion, exchanging value for value.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But you know, I've I've asked people many times in the past. You know, okay, you've you've made all the sales, you've 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 chased the almighty dollar. Now what? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the whole the whole thing of, you know, stopping and breathing and, uh, you know, in enjoying the moment, if you will. That's that is, you know, in a roundabout way. That's my whole scene. You know, I I use the term transcendence quite freely in what I do. And it's you know, if if you are going to next ask me to define transcendence, (laughs) I can't I can't. It's something that it it would be like me trying to describe for you the taste of an orange if you had never tasted it. Mm. Even then, if you had tasted an orange, there's nothing to say that your experience of the orange would be exactly the same as mine.
0: Right. It almost sounds like it's an interplay between consciousness or, um, gosh, I guess self-actualization in a way
1: indeed indeed it's it's taking it to what to me is the the ultimate denouement you know the 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 conclusion if you will that um we through our societal upbringing through uh our internal talk we have limitations that are placed upon us and it is my position that with you know within sacred law meaning, you know, we have gravity, we have day and night, you know, cycles and all these things. You can't change that. But within those laws, you know, physical laws, and we can just about do anything. You know, okay, I'm not going to be president of the United States. (laughs) That's not going to happen. But there are so many things that we can change, that we can focus. I'm, I'm not one to say we can control things. We can't control anything, in my view. Um, not even our thoughts. Now, what we can do is influence. And to me, that's actually more powerful because control is an illusion, but influence is very real. You know, I, get, I can decide, do I get up this morning and go to the gym and get under a, 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 a heavily loaded bar and do squats or do I lay in bed and, and eat potato chips? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that will influence it. It's, uh, I, I view karma is not an enemy. I think karma is our best friend because it's very simply the law of cause and effect. If I do X, Y is going to happen. Right. And so instead of looking at, the, at the cause and effect as something to be avoided, use it as a tool. You know, that's, that's something that everybody can, can do. And, you know, it kind of bums me out that they don't.
0: Well, you're bringing up some concepts that really um, probably are derivative of your background in in Zen teaching. So, do you want to go into a little bit of that? Your experience, your background there?
1: Yeah, I, uh, as I said, um, I'll be 57 this year, and to one degree or another, I've ever since childhood, I have been very aware that there's there's more to this life than it seems most people. are aware of, and yeah, like most people, I started off, you know, with mainline religion, and uh, as you can probably tell from the fact that I don't have an accent. Yeah, and I'm winking at you. Now. <laughs> uh, I'm a southern boy. I was born and bred in the South. You know, so you know, grew up in in uh, the conservative Baptist church, and um, then when I Got old enough to start asking questions, and some of the questions I asked were not questions that the uh, the Sunday school teachers and the preachers felt comfortable answering. And the only answer I could get from them was, "Well, you just have to have faith, Billy." Uh, I knew that there was a problem. So, like most teenagers, I kind of rebelled against uh, all of that. And for uh, I guess my early twenties into the the mid and late twenties, the only um, how to describe this that that experience of life that you know that that juice of life i found that in uh, in playing music and then uh, uh, you know getting into uh, martial arts specifically uh aikido and with aikido being a japanese art there was this um uh, allegory many times of or or a metaphor of um, moving meditation and so the whole zen thing was very appealing to me Mm -hmm. and it took probably into my early 30s before I really got serious about it and tracked down here in Atlanta a um, group that still meets to this day it's uh, the Atlanta Soto Zen Center Mm
2: -hmm. and there
1: are two in Japan, uh, the Japanese Buddhism, Japanese Zen, I should say, there are two uh, extant lines of uh, study, and that's Soto and Rinzai. You know, Rinzai are the ones that are famous uh, for asking the, uh, the Zen riddles, the koans. Whereas us uh, Soto folks, we pretty much just sit and stare at a wall. <laughs> and of course, you know, there is teachings, and there's uh, dialogue and interaction. But uh, it it fascinated me, doctor. Mm-hmm. And so it came to the point that I uh, became what, you know, the terminology with them was uh, a disciple. You know, essentially I became a, um, uh, you know, a lay teacher. Then, then I was on staff at the uh, Zen Center for two and a half years as a uh, uh, ceremonial teacher. And, you know, uh, let me correct that as a uh, um, meditation <laughs> teacher and leader. And and it's still there was something missing. So I decided to uh, do a little investigation back into my roots. It was not going to be uh, the Baptist church. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I went to kind of the other direction of a uh, lineage of mystical Christianity, uh, the, uh, the Church of the East. And lo and behold, after a few years, uh, I found myself carrying the title Reverend Father Billy Starnes. (laughs) Mm. I was uh, simultaneously trying to um, reconcile Zen and Christianity. And I recognized that I was trying to put a square peg in a round hole. Not that they couldn't work together, but they couldn't work with me or I could more accurately to say I could not work with them. Because I don't do well with uh, with rules.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Probably uh, many of us in our little tribe on Twitter would say the same thing. <laughs> yeah.
1: I just I couldn't do it, and you know, I had known that I had a very small amount of Indian blood. Uh, you know, growing up in North Carolina, and it's it's real hard to grow up in North Carolina and, and not have Indian blood. But it, it was I, I never wanted to claim you know, that this was a big deal with me, and I still don't to this day. But as the energies and currents of energy do, I was presented with uh, what was, uh, to this day, my uh, primary discipline, and that being uh, an uh, intertribal uh, discipline called the, uh, the flower soldier tradition.
0: Mm. I have no and idea what that is. Are you going to tell us?
1: I'll give you a little bit of it, but it's like anything. If you're really interested, you need to go look it up. That's right, that's right. <laughs> but the, um, you know, the uh, being introduced to something as simple as a medicine wheel, and uh, you know, recognizing the importance of water and trees. Yeah, you know, I never, I never understood the whole thing with uh, you know most native uh, tribal cultures. I mean, of course you want to have clean water, you want to have good food, you want to have good relations, but there was something, and it was, you know, an epiphany, I guess you will, a, a moment of enlightenment where one day it just hits that, oh my God, I get it now. I understand, you know, we, we are not uh, disconnected from the life around us. We are part of those trees. Those trees are us. The, 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 the soil beneath our feet, this is us, the sky above. And so, you know, to, to, to make a ridiculously long story as short as I can, <laughs> uh, I have just, for the last 20-something years, have been a uh, student of the Medicine Wheels, uh, working with my adopted uh, Northern Cheyenne, Grandpa White Wolf, and um, just... Living a kind of a dual life. I mean, I'm I'm in corporate America still, but uh, it that is a uh, kind of an angel investor that allows me to take uh, extended breaks and go and uh, lead vision quests in Tennessee or uh, go to Sardinia and uh, you know, be involved in the teachings there, and you know just kind of see the Earth from many different perspectives and
0: uh, yeah, you know, just in. Enjoy-
1: life if you will this
0: is where it gets into the more metaphysical elements and you know we've touched on some topics about uh, the metaphysical and I know you said you were going to be doing a a blog post this weekend about um, something along those lines I believe that was about like referencing Carl Jung or
1: well uh, not not so much Dr. Jung as the uh, I I can't remember the specific uh, thing that would that fired this off, but the uh it's about the darkness right and you know we have you know especially those that have had a uh traditional religious background darkness is inherently considered it's it's inevitably and inexorably connected with evil, and that has you know once you get past the uh the the boogeyman <laughs> aspect of that you know a lot of what is considered dark and I don't mean evil, I mean the dark in, in our culture is viewed negatively. And, uh, quite frankly, I have made the most gains in my own personal journey when I have embraced that darkness within myself, mm-hmm. not denied it, not tried to snuff it out, but to try to, to understand it. Absolutely. And, and um, so the, the the post this this coming weekend will uh, address uh, specifically. There was a dialogue I had with a young lady that I had been mentoring or teaching or counseling or whatever you want to say several years back, and um, she just she did not want to address the darkness, and I I found such sadness in that.
0: Mm. Uh, would you estimate that maybe the majority of people are are, are in denial or? Actively avoiding their darkness um because of fear of facing it, or or lack of, I don't know, confidence that they can endure it.
1: Well, it's certainly that is uh, uh, an aspect of it. Part of it is just the whole, you know, the, the cultural programming of this is something that if it gets you, it'll never let you go, mm. and a lot of people from my experience and from you know my own uh, work over the years, some people feel like if they go there, they, they just can't come back. And there is a, uh, a, a rather than shine a little light in these areas, they would just prefer to ignore it or suppress it or deny it. And I mean, it's kind of like telling a, a five-year-old you can't do something that five-year-old is only going to redouble their efforts yeah and that is you know that's part and parcel of what it is to be human you know if we're told we can't do something by god we're we're going to do it so and you know the reverse is true there if we we say you know i just i don't want to go there and i understand that people have had experiences in their lives mm-hmm. you know i i saw the uh the TEDx that you uh, where you discussed the unfortunate conditions and sad uh, situation with that young lady. You know, with, yeah. with her uh, I believe her stepfather.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, some people don't even remember things that may or may not have happened to them. And you know, I think beyond that, something that's even worse is when we just imagine things that never happen. And I'm you know I'm certainly not talking about abuse. I'm just talking about we are so good at we can read something in a book 40 years ago when we're children or see a movie. And the older we get, we actually think something like that actually happened to us. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, That can happen. Definitely. I I feel like there's a lot of examples of people fighting their shadows in one, one way or another. Um, I mean, I'm just trying to bring out some other maybe tangible examples. I know I was speaking to someone the other day uh, and they were, you know, ask they were we were doing this counseling session and they were discussing an an event that happened a few years ago and they felt so much shame about themselves because they were they were intoxicated and something happened that they would never do or expect that they were capable of in a sober Mm -hmm. state. And facing that reality is really cathartic. I think for some Mm -hmm. people who, you know, just want to think or um, be in denial and and think that it's only light that we can exist in and having to confront the fact that, yes, you know, we're all capable of doing evil things, um, but whether or not we need to let that uh, have power over us or be afraid of it, uh, being able to integrate that potential and recognize and embrace that we have that level of holistic energy that we can, we can leverage, um, you know, that power ultimately. I mean, knowing that I, that's kind of how I empathize with clients, right, is being able to access that um, darkness so that, you know, I can connect to those experiences
1: with clients. So that's how I leverage it, for instance. Mm-hmm. Well, the the thing of it is we, I'm sure you've probably heard the saying many, many times that, you know, when we're when we're intoxicated, that's when the real us comes out,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and that's what scares people. What you know? Okay, if I if I delve into the that internal darkness, then I'm going to realize that I'm a dark person, or I'm evil, or I'm capable of you know fill in the blank, and certainly that is possibility because you know the extraordinary circumstances and conditions make for extraordinary uh, actions on our part but I think a lot of people sell themselves a little too short you know we are we are a resilient species Mm -hmm. and to to have the courage to look at the self and to not let something that has been defined for us that we didn't have much say-so in and then accept that as this is, this is who I am. I can, I'll never change this. That's just, that's just so sad to me. And, and so again, uh, uh, opposed to my whole thing about transcendence and, and the embrace of beauty and and a life of elegance Mm. and, and, and joy you know, I I love the French phrase, and I'm probably going to slaughter this <laughs> uh, Choix de vivre," Ooh. which means I think it translates, you know, exactly as the joy of life, the joy of. Life.
0: I will and, not try to to replicate that, but that was beautiful.
1: Well, here's hoping, uh, you know, some of your French-speaking listeners <laughs> will uh, will agree with you, but the the whole thing, you know, we we get to. 50 and 60 years old and the the kids are grown. We've got the grandkids now and, you know, people are looking at retirement and then they realize they get to an end of a life. And, you know, what's been the point, you know, they've lived the life that people expected them to live. They followed the rules. They did everything that was expected of them. And if they're completely honest, you know, yes, they've had wonderful times. They got a wonderful family, but there's still something missing. Mm -hmm. And that is that joy of life. And, I guess if you know to circle back around to your original question, if there's anything that I want to do is to let people know, especially in their twenties, start planning and living the life that you want now. Right. Don't get on the backside and try to try to make something out of you know don't don't try to make a wonderful meal out of just leftovers. If that makes any sense,
0: I think so. I think a lot of people are living zombies you know they're just sort of a shell of themselves as a projection of what they feel they ought to be based on some unhealthy concept of success or yeah accomplishment um whether you're a male or female I mean now I think females are included equally in that whereas before they may have derived more joy from the domestic side and the the nurturing um, child-rearing side of things, not to say that there weren't times when they didn't get to um, sort of bring into their lives passions that um, they were kept away from, but I think for the most part it's a lot a lot more uh, frequent for people to get joy or experience joy when they're raising children um, versus mm-hmm. You know, striving for financial success and remuneration, and you know, acknowledgement and all that sort of stuff um, in the career-oriented world, which is now why I think it's it's equally problematic for both genders. Um, I think more mm-hmm. human beings are living like that.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I I agree with you completely. The sad thing is, people when you tell people that. You know, you need you need to find what is going to bring you joy, that which is going to make you happy. You know, a lot of people go to the you know, where's your passion? Well, passion is very mercurial. You know, anybody that's ever been in lust rather than in love knows what I'm talking about. It you know, it's it's easy come, easy go. But what I prefer to to use as a a, a descriptive term instead of passion is enthusiasm, because enthusiasm you can is, is a fire that you can feed it's something that you know you, you find people that love to be painters or wood carvers or the 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 mothers that i mean they you know that these mm-hmm. these women were born into this life to rear wonderful beautiful children or, you know to find the the, the man that makes uh, an art out of being a chief executive officer of some great multinational corporation you know it, it, it there's no limit to the palette
2: mm-hmm. But
1: we, we, you know, people, I, I've had people come up to me in, in personal counseling sessions or in, in group teachings. You know, I don't know what I want. And I, I hate to, you know, this is, this may be depressing or it may be encouraging. I don't know what, but I didn't really zero in on the whole gentleman mystic aspect of what I do until about five years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, And Before it was just doing Zen, it was just doing Um, uh, the the flower soldier uh, teachings, and but you know I'm kind of getting all of the tools together, and then I instead of you know trying to be like my uh, my adoptive grandpa uh, or you know like the Zen teacher that uh, ordained me, you know who is Billy? Mm -hmm. You know who is he? And then those things that for which I had enthusiasm began to bubble up from deep inside. And you know, of course, with the the work like we've discussed earlier about you know facing down those dark aspects of myself, and you know being willing to acknowledge where I've come up short, and being willing to take responsibility for things, and then also you know counting off the good points, and having this whole big stew in front of me, and then saying, "All right, I'm going to cook a wonderful meal out of this." Right. And you know, people don't you know I, I wish i if if i could bottle and sell a uh, a pill that would give people the the uh, you know instantaneous way of determining what their joy is i would do it and i would be <laughs> a very rich man but this is something that is unique to each of us you know i i was talking to jay Campbell uh several several weeks ago he and i had the, the chance to sit down and uh enjoy a delicious steak dinner together and uh I I pointed out to him that there is a convoluted question that many people ask, and I get it all the time. And that question is, you know, what is the purpose of life? What is the meaning of my life? And when I began to understand that they're actually asking two questions there, you take that question, you turn it into the two questions. One of the questions, the answer is the same for every person that has ever lived, every person that ever will live. The second question, the answer is unique for every person that has ever lived or ever will live. Would you like to hear hear how I take on this? Please do. So so the, the, the original question in its long form is, what is the purpose of life? What is the meaning of my life? All right, let's break that down into two questions. What is the purpose of life? Well, the purpose of life is the same for everyone that has ever lived. And the purpose of life is as follows to experience what it is to live. Mm -hmm. That doesn't change for anyone. That's why we're born into this life is to live. Okay. Mm -hmm. The second question now, what is the meaning of my life? This is where it's unique for every person rather than being the same. The meaning of your life is the meaning that you choose to give it. Mm -hmm. It is just that simple and it is just that complicated. You know, so many people want... In, you know uh pre-packaged answers and that's when you get into trouble you know you have to be willing to do the work you have to be willing to face the darkness you have to be willing to look at the light you have to be confident that you're even when you make mistakes you can you can fix them mm-hmm. and, and that confidence is what so many people lack
0: definitely i know we talk a lot about confidence um well, I I work with a lot of whether it's men or women on building confidence, and that's been a a strong subject um, in the manosphere and general self development. But also, I think it's something mm-hmm. else. I think it's that that level of Im- acceptance for impermanence. Um, mm-hmm. You know, coming from your background, I I would assume my assumption is that impermanence is a strong topic or theme Absolutely. and Absolutely. and i think it also ties into resilience and presence and mindfulness and all of that stuff too and so i think that when you recognize um that mistakes are not bad you know and that whatever happens you can focus on what you do then in that moment versus what happened in the past and I mean, you can really use that same philosophy in so many ways. Um, I I use it every day when I'm acting, when I'm on live TV, right? Because you have to just be in the moment and just roll with it. Um, And I use it with, um, like in couples, when we're talking about uh, problem solving, Uh, it's not always Mm -hmm. about trying to formulate the right answer for things, but just having faith that you can get through whatever happens together or even if it's an individual that you can have faith that you'll figure it out the best that you can in that moment that whatever life brings you happens in that experience you know so i think a lot of that is different maybe than confidence but related absolutely overlapping but there's something varied to me when i think about it
1: well uh, you know the The teachers that I have studied with, both in the flesh and through the teachings over the years that have been handed down either verbally or written, very rarely will they ever use the terms only or you must. Mm -hmm. When the term only is used because it's so rare, when I hear it, I pay attention to it. And one of the few times I have ever heard that phrase or that word used was when one of the uh, the grandmothers uh, spoke and said that the only way to self attainment is through self criticism. Now people hear the word criticism and they take, they look at the modern thing. Yeah, you know, we they were critical in a negative aspect. Mm-hmm. That's not what she was saying. That was not her intent. That the the root of the word is in critique. That willingness to be You know, whatever we find, we shine that light Mm -hmm. again. We're it's interesting. We keep coming back into the darkness Mm -hmm. here to shine that light into the to those those places. And okay, there's there may be things here I like. There may be things that I don't. What what do I have to keep? What can I get rid of? What can I bring in to replace uh, what I get rid of? Because as we know, as we know, uh, nature abhors a vacuum. And if you get rid of one bad habit and you don't replace it with a good habit, something Probably worse is going <laughs> to fill it, but to to the only way to self fulfillment is self criticism. You know, I I paid attention to that, and it's when that clicked with me. There was a big shift in my own uh, in my own growth and my own work uh, because of that. And confidence will come as a, it, you know if you go out trying to find confidence, you you usually don't. It's something that it just kind of manifests because you, you plant the seeds and you nurture the seeds and the seeds, you know, you water them and they grow and, you know, confidence breeds confidence. And, and where, where do we get confidence? It comes from competence. Mm -hmm. You know, I love what uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson says that, you know, one of his favorite sayings is that competency is power.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And, you know, that, that is a word I haven't uh, brought up since we've been talking and in addition to beauty, I want people to understand that they have power, mm-hmm. that they can that they can grow in power. And I'm not talking about the crazy, you know, political nonsense that we see, or people that that look at uh, power as being this Machiavellian and horrible thing. That you know, if you ever use it, you're a bad person. No, that confidence to be able to stand up and and withstand criticism. And whether it's self-criticism or external, you know, cause I I'm the kind of person that if, if someone I respect says something to me in a critical fashion, I'm, I'm going to pay attention to it. And it is a, it is an amazing feeling when you can get on the other side of that lack of confidence mm-hmm. and to, to go, wait a minute, you know, two days ago I couldn't have done this, but today I did it's, it's kind of like uh, examples I use in uh, weight training. You know, when you, when you just got through lifting a uh, 400 pound bar off the ground and you knew that two weeks ago, you couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's confidence building, that's power in um, many levels. And, you know, that's, that is a great analog for how we can live our lives and how we can interact with the world and certainly with the people ar- around us.
0: Yeah, and I, th- I think, too, in, in connecting competence and, and confidence and power and how they're related, you have to, you're, it's required to have a level of engagement. Like you said, that enthusiasm is absolutely necessary because if you don't engage to a thing, if you don't have that enthusiasm for it, um, it you won't be propelled to become competent in it. So I almost feel like the things mm. that we're not comp- confident in doing are the things that we're just not interested in where we're not connected to or engaged in. And so knowing when you do get, you know, it's that feedback system. When you do build the confidence, it's that positive loop. Um, you become more enthusiastic, more engaged, and then that's where the passion and the joy potentially comes from. So I think it's all of that takes self-awareness, which I think is that, that, that critical nature of not necessarily bad, but just, Awareness,
1: huh? exactly. Um, just being willing to be wrong. Mm, yeah. So you know our our culture. You know you you go into the uh, the uh, U.S. and you know any Western school, and you, you know little Johnny. You know what's the answer to this question? You know, and you give the wrong answer, and your, your schoolmates laugh at you. You know, it's, we're programmed. You always have to give the right answer. Mm -hmm. Everything has to be correct. You can never be wrong. You can never make a mistake. And that's part of the, that psychic load that is weighing so heavily on us and why there are so many examples of, you know, pathology in, in our, in our culture that just, you know, people can't be people anymore. And, you, and everything you have to be right all the time everything has to be instantaneous you have to be an expert at everything immediately mm-hmm. and that that is not in accordance with life you know the you, you you don't take a little hatchling that has just been out of the shell for 2 days and expect them to fly they ha- they have to learn they have to be fed they have to grow they have to at least get to a point where they're in a nest and see that oh you know mama eagle is doing this thing where she leaves and she comes back whoa i have wings i maybe i can do this and you know i I think it's all the cultural programming that suppresses our innate um instinct about what it is to be human Mm -hmm. and that is so sad to me that's so sad
0: yeah i definitely think that the desire to want to learn and understand should outweigh um, or replace the desire to want to be right. It's almost, it's taking that that hubris um, to the forefront where it's almost like you want to be godly. If you're going to be right, then you're that objective that you're like a God versus accepting and embracing your humanity as a fallible, <laughs> sinful human being.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, there's a, uh, a saying that I have that, uh, because you know one of the areas that i it's not a primary focus that i i, I teach but it, it's certainly part of it and that's called the uh, you know transcendent aging and that's the idea of living you know, as long and high quality of an existence as we can because you know we we kind of think that you know we get 70 75 80 85 years if we're lucky and you know then we drop dead uh it is taught in my tradition that the human body is designed designed to live a minimum of 125 years. And it is my understanding through my own personal work that the first thing that has to happen if you want to have a long and healthy and fulfilling life is to have the expectation of living a long, healthy and fulfilling life. Now that doesn't take anyone off the hook for they have to do X, you know, they have to get enough sleep. They have to do uh, the proper movements. They have to eat correctly. They have to de-stress. You know, there's a lot that we have to do, but first and foremost, you have to have that expectation. Too many people live their lives, doctor, expecting the other shoe to drop. They're, They're just waiting for something bad to happen. And with that thought process, they're, whether they want to or not, they're energetically drawing that negativity mm-hmm. to them and to, you know, you use the term hubris. You almost have to, within the the concept of it, having that expectation. Yes. You know, that tomorrow morning you might find that you have a, a, a cancer in your body or uh, you're in a bad car wreck or something terrible happens. And yes, you, you know, Tomorrow you can cease to exist. I can cease to exist. You know, for all we know, the whole planet could blow up. Who knows? Mm -hmm. So there, there has to be that awareness of the, as you said earlier, the temporal nature of things, the, uh, the the transience, but there also has to be the confidence to stand up before life and say, okay, it's my turn at bat Mm -hmm. and I'm going to give it everything I've got. So it's fine line. Not, it's not hubris per se, but it's this awareness of the, the, the temporal nature of things and the fragility of life, but yet still being confident to stand before life and say, hey, I'm here and I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's not arrogance. That's, that is a confidence that I think life appreciates in us.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I do believe we have to sort of shoot for the highest potential um and but accept whatever you know the the gap that we reach from perfect to imperfect like obviously that's i think important not to judge oneself by or other people for falling short based on their humanity but striving for that excellence and and yeah having having that drive to you know use all of the power that you can possibly cultivate within yourself, but also in connecting to the collective conscious consciousness of everything else as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, there's, you know, I teach that the, the the modern term for this is the Pareto principle or Pareto. I'm not really sure how the name is pronounced, but basically it comes down to 80, 20. Um, our ancients said that life is 80% pattern and 20% then they use the term chaos, and you know chaos gives people this really weird feeling. So I tend to use the word uh, change. Mm-hmm. So eighty percent pattern, twenty percent change. And, you know, it's it's we have to have that chaotic energy in life. That because if we didn't, everything would be really monotonous. Yeah. <laughs> to, you know, to to recognize that okay, I, I've come up short. I have I have I have not succeeded at doing what I wanted to do, but there's you know we do have the ability to course correct, and people forget that. Mm. I mean, if you were to think of flying from Honolulu to Los Angeles, you know, if anybody thinks it's a straight shot from the the takeoff to the landing. They are sadly mistaken. You've got the rotation of the earth involved. You have magnetic pulls on the plane. Mm-hmm. You have, uh, uh, you know, wind shears, you have all kind of things. And probably for the greater portion of the flight, maybe 80 percent of the flight, you're off course. Mm-hmm. And that 20%, though, is what makes sure that that plane lands exactly on the runway that it was scheduled to land on, exactly at the time that it was scheduled to land. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't have to be perfect. You know, uh, we just have to continue to, you know, perfection is only perfection until it's attained. Once it's attained, then the bar has been raised. Mm -hmm. You know, I always use the example of, uh, I believe, the, the first 10 scored in uh, the Olympics back in the uh, 1970s was Nadia Komenich. I believe it. that was the, the athlete that did it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, wow, her, her technique and her routine probably wouldn't even get her invited to the, uh, to, to the Olympics today. <laughs> sure.
0: It's
2: been
1: ch- you know, the, she raised the bar and, you know, by God, the rest of the people around her rose to that challenge. And, you know, it, it, that is why art is so fascinating. And, you know, the, the, there was a time when, you know, the best we could do was cave paintings. Now there are people out there that can take a brush and oil on a, to a canvas and you can't tell if it's a painting or a photograph unless you get really close. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: if, if life didn't have art, <laughs> we would be in a very boring existence.
1: Indeed, indeed.
0: Well, Billy, I know I've taken up a bit of your time. Before we close off, are there any last thoughts that you'd like to leave the audience with in regards to this conversation?
1: Well... (sighs) Nothing more than to just say thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for taking the time. Hopefully, uh, you found at least one point of, of discussion that has touched you in some way, shape, or form. Um, yeah, and just recognize that the image makers in your life have told you who you are. And I'm, t- I'm speaking of parents, I'm speaking of your teachers, uh, religious leaders, your peers. Don't be afraid to question every one of those people, not out of disrespect, not out of a place of uh, confrontation, but just be willing to find out who you are in your own critique and uh, you know ex- exploration of who and what you are.
0: Thanks for tuning in. Please do subscribe to my Apple podcast channel and leave me a review so we can stay connected.